Now here's a red letter date in the history of RPG fan. February 10th, 2013. Yes, of course. February 10th, 2013. That was the day we invented Rhythm Encounter. I remember it vividly. I was standing on the edge of my toilet, hanging a clock. Porcelain was wet. I slipped, hit my head in the sink. And when I came to, I had a revelation. A vision. A picture in my head. A picture of this. This is who makes RPG Fan possible. Michael Salbato. Michael Salbato. Welcome to episode 12 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG Fan music podcast. With me today is the aforementioned man who makes RPG Fan possible. Mike Salbato. I'm Mike on the boards. And Mike is our amazing, I'm going to, what do you think of a great title? He's our visual, he's our imagineer. All the pretty stuff you see on the site is him. And we've been trying to get him on the show for a while, but before we talk any further about the show, with me today, as always, is the Turk to my JD. Okay, I can go with that. I'm Derek Heemsbergen, Embryon on the boards, at EmbryonX on Twitter, whatever else you want. Derek at RPGFan.com, Facebook.com slash, no, I'm not going to give you that. His name is Awesome McAwesome on Final Fantasy. It's not really his name. Hey, I appreciate that. I do have a dark light cowl, which yeah. isn't as cool as it could be, but I'm going to have a, a relic summoner weapon in like a day. The veil of Wii U even, but it's not it's not a veil for like a Nintendo game console. It's something else entirely, but yes. Anyway, uh, welcome to Rhythm Encounter, everybody. Yes. Uh, today's topic, we've been we've been trying to get Mike on the show for a while and we had to come up with just the right topic. And we had a lot of people writing in and saying, like some guy named Steven kept writing in and saying, we should really do a Chrono Cross episode. We should do a Chrono Trigger episode because it's so great. But we came upon an idea. Today's topic is going to be games that involve time travel because that gives us a whole world of awesomeness to work from. Uh, we're going to try to fix some gaping holes in coverage. But before we do that, as always, we're going to do a couple recent albums, a couple fewer today because we have a lot of tracks to go through. And so the first one we're going to go to today is from, and I hope I pronounce his name right, uh, Sean Shafiansky, who did uh, our awesome new theme music, did an album called the Final Fantasy VII Remastered Tracks Volume 1, which hopefully, wink wink, is implying that it'll be another album. And this is sort of, uh, they're revisiting, revisitings of the awesome Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. And so I picked one of the tracks from that. It's Oppressed People, which is Oppressed People from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I think this album was really fantastic. It, it made me want an HD Final Fantasy even more than I already did, Final Fantasy VII. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Oppressed People from the Final Fantasy VII Remastered Treks. Thank you. 
That's one of my favorite songs from the original Final Fantasy VII because I think some of my most vivid memories of that game are exploring Midgar because I was so much younger and like it just it felt like that whole part of the game was so endless, which is you know we talked about it before. The scale of Seven is crazy because of that. You know, you're in Midgar for so long and then you leave and it's like no, no, you've ex- you've seen not even like a third of the game and. It's, it's so cool because they set up this atmosphere and the track is, you know, oppressed people because you're in the slums, it's all crappy. And that song, Sean's version of that song is so good because it really gives this sort of like CD, you're like a detective in a CD hotel kind of vibe to it. Like with all like the synth and like, the, the I, I don't know the instrument, but like what he did with the like the piano stuff is just awesome. It's because we're all rotting under that damn pizza while they're up there uh, living the high life. That sound the song sounds like or his reinstrumentation of it sounds like uh kind of like a chill mellow tropical island song almost to me. Um there was this ice cream shop right up by my house that I used to go to when I was a kid and it was like decorated with these really tacky tropical decorations, you know, like the dollar store palm tree things that they just stapled onto the oh, walls yeah. and stuff. <laughs> it was super tacky, but we used to go there all the time, and that's that's pretty much what they'd be playing every time we went in was something like this, something very similar in instrumentation. And I I wouldn't say Oppressed People was one of my favorite tracks from the FF7 soundtrack just because because the game has such a big scope. It's really musically diverse, too, since there are so many different areas. But I, I like this version. It's very mellow. Mellow is the word that comes to mind. I didn't think about the tropical feel, but that actually is a good way to put it. It felt kind of jazzy to me, but I think it's a little bit of jazz, a little bit of, well, what you said. But I like it a lot. And I was the same way. I wouldn't consider it one of my favorite tracks, but I like this version of it. And it definitely does capture the feel of where it plays in the game. So I like it a lot. Yeah, like like Neil said in his review, he wishes he didn't listen to it because it makes him want a Final Fantasy VII HD. I think I'd actually want a remake of Seven for the music more than the actual graphics. Just, But on the other hand, Seven's original sound palette is so distinctive. Like, nothing uses that. Like, mm-hmm. you you know Final Fantasy VII, the, min- the, min- min- the minute you hear it. The minute you hear it. The mint, the mint you hear it, it's pretty rad. And a, a big part of why Seven is so beloved is because of everything put together, the atmosphere that it evokes. Absolutely. It's, and I still, to this day, love pre-rendered backgrounds. I, I don't think that they are... Uh, I don't think that they should have died the way that they did. I, I wish that we continued seeing better and better pre-rendered backgrounds. I, I don't think they should be in every game well, by any means, but... I think something about that era is like it's super nostalgic to me. I think a great example of it, like look at um, look at Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X had pre-rendered backgrounds and real-time backgrounds, and it really let them create a variety. Like when you're in the map, the snowy mountains, that's all you know real time. But then when you go to uh, wherever the the first Blitzball tournament is, and the main hub of the town is pre-rendered, it really okay. gives you an, yeah yeah it gives you an awesome sense of scale. And then if you look or like at like Jose Temple with all the uh, lightning and the floating rocks and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Or if you look at a lot of modern point-and-click adventure games, they have pre-rendered backgrounds, and they're some of the most gorgeous games around. Like, I've lost track of the number of games with pre-done backgrounds. Like, Grey Matter had pre-rendered backgrounds, and they were absolutely gorgeous. So, I uh, hope maybe they'll come back, though, with the... We don't know what's going on anymore with Kickstarter and all the indie games. People are bringing back things I never would have thought would come back, so... It's very true. Yes, Not just indie, but graphic adventures in general. There's just... uh, It's amazing how many there are now. It's wonderful. And speaking of things that I missed, uh, Phoenix Wright. Man, I love Phoenix Wright. We've got a selection from the Professor Layton versus Gyakuten Saiban, or Ace Attorney, original soundtrack. It's called Magical Mystery Music, which is very appropriate. So this track is uh, it's just Phoenix Wright, Objection 2012. So it's that typical, Amazing-ness. you're cornered, and I'm going to 
Take You Down music. We played something similar to this a uh, few episodes back when we did the Phoenix Wright sound collection, that gigantic sound box. But this is a version that's arranged, and it fits in with both Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright's themes. So there we have Phoenix Wright, Objection 2012 from Magical Mystery Music. Objection! In the first few seconds of that track, you can hear both Phoenix Wright and Layton in the music. Yeah, uh, definitely. We, we all said that. Yeah, it's... Oh, man. And that, at the time, that was the first real departure in terms of uh, of instrumentation from the original, or from the earlier Phoenix Wright games, which were all very synth, like MIDI, kind of. Not MIDI, but, you know, they were using the DS slash GBA sound chip, so they were, they were a lot lower fidelity. And so this was the, the first time that in a game the objection theme was so heavily orchestrated. And I just, I love how dramatic it is and it, in a good way. It's awesome. So that's, that's a recurring theme in Phoenix, right? I'm, I'm holding my copy of the first game that I got last week that I'm, I'm finally going to start the series. Yeah. It, uh, it took this long, but we convinced him to play it. <laughs> but it, so that's a recurring theme throughout the series. Uh, well, there's always an objection or a cornered theme. Okay, this like this is the most friends. recognizable one. Okay. And I, I want to say that it's like the same with some minor variations. I, it's been a long time since I've listened to all of them in order, like the soundtracks. But yeah, th- this theme is super recognizable. I, I actually, it makes me think of uh, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom Three right now, since oh, we spent yeah, so much right. time playing that. Yeah, and he's so ridiculous in that game. That's illegal. That's illegal. <laughs> he, he was ridiculously <laughs> awesome in that. 
Yeah, I, I, I just I love it's so dramatic. Like, I don't think dramatic when I think Leighton, but based on everything I've seen from Phoenix Wright, drama is exactly what I think of when I see that. Just like all the poses are super exaggerated and like in the live action movie, like all the hair is crazy nuts looking. So I, I feel like that suited it really well. Like it gave it this very like regal, you know, Englishy sort of Professor Layton feel, but then it also had that sort of like sweeping court drama thing going on that I always associate with Phoenix Wright. Mike, have you I, played any of the Phoenix Wright games? I haven't played Phoenix Wright or Layton. Oh, uh, I'm going to sound like Stephen when I say this, but that song was so good. I'm I'm kind of curious, yeah, and, <laughs> and I have an idea of how you know. I know about the games. I don't know anything about this game. I don't know what the gameplay is like mixing these two together. I was so sure the game wasn't coming here, so I didn't really read about it. Yeah. Now, see, I'm and, getting it next year, though. Yeah. Yes, which is awesome. And you have an iOS device. Well, I have one, too. But you, you are not averse to using your iOS device. So I think you can actually get, like, the HD collection of the first three, right? Is that? That, that is true. Yes, yeah. although I not... do hear that they're kind of buggy. Oh, really? Not really. Yeah, I mean, but they're playable, I'm sure. Go go forth. You have no excuse. Yes, it's cheap too. I'm sure. So I think it's free to de- like to download the first chapter or something. Yeah, it is. So what really do you have to lose? I don't know, but I'm also the person who spent eighteen dollars on the world ends with you, and I've still not played it. So that's why I don't buy iOS games anymore because I would buy games and then I would never play them. And I think it, it's honestly, I just, I guess, I just don't engage with touch controls. But that that to to take us back around to the music that's. That album is awesome. I've listened to the whole thing a couple of times, and I think it might be part of the reason why I've finally decided to play, because I, I can be bought by music. I'm playing 13-2 now because of how awesome the soundtrack is, which is a wonderful segue into our topic. So we, we have been talking on the boards a lot, like, oh, how can we get Mike? Mike, what topic do you want? He's like, oh, I'll come on the show when we get to a topic I like. And, you know, we kind of threw around Zelda, and he's like, Chrono Cross would be a great topic, because, you know, of course, Mike, like all reasonable people, loves Chrono Cross. And... We were like, you know, well, what's a great topic? And then I was like, you know, we haven't played enough of Radiant Historia. And that has time travel, too. So we decided we would go Red Letter Date, in case you are not a fan of 1980s films, is a quote from Back to the Future. So all the games we're going to be talking about today involve time travel in some form, even if it's just a minor plot point. So you can get some, we have maybe a few technicalities, and we have Chrono Cross, even though Chrono Cross has actual time travel, just not as much as Chrono Trigger. And we also have a little interdimensional travel just to, cause, because, because I make the rules. Shut up. You do I, what you want. Yeah, I do what I want. You I you act like I'm not in on this too. Like, yes. like we didn't plan it together or anything, right? We can't be honest. You know, yeah. we really did the interdimensional thing because we wanted both Chrono games in. Exactly. Well, it was it was a it was a, an effort of the triumvirate, and we we think it'll be really good because music is awesome, and so is this stuff. But anyways, for our first block of tracks coming up, I'm opening it up with one of my favorite tracks from one of my favorite composers and a singer that I'd never heard of. And this is uh, Haruka Shimotsuki, uh, I believe, from Radiant Historia. And it's the theme track, Historia, the vocal version, because I adore it and it's awesome. It plays in the ending, but it uses some of the main themes from the game. So we'll listen to that. And then, Mike, you picked our second track, which is also an awesome song. Just a bit. Um, I picked Frozen Flame from Chrono Cross, and I'll explain why after. Okay. That's really, it's one of my favorite tracks in the game. Well, yeah. And then uh, I picked a track from Final Fantasy XI, The Wings of the Goddess expansion, which involves time travel. Um, This is actually my favorite track from that expansion. It's the Cosmic Wheel 
by Naoshi Mizura. So coming up, Historia from Radiant Historia, Frozen Flame from Chrono Cross, and The Cosmic Wheel from Wings of the Goddess.
I am not shy in my love for Radiant Historia, and I have since amended my, my opinion to acknowledge the concerns that maybe the battle system can be a little bit repetitive, but I still think it's one of my favorite games. Uh, I adore the plot and the characters, and most importantly, the music. Uh, I I feel like I'm a bad human being for not having played more music from it sooner on the show, uh, but uh, Historia, Historia is just kind of awesome because it's this vocal theme that kind of it sort of encapsulates everything I love about uh, Japanese games and their tendency to use vocal themes like this, is that uh, Haruka Shimotsuki's voice is gorgeous, and she's one of the few Japanese singers I can understand when she's singing because she just sings so clearly and that that's, that's neither here nor there. But, and what I love about it is not only is it her singing, but it's also, it uses a lot of the instrumentation and themes from the game itself. I don't know if Shimamura herself did the, the sort of melody for this and then Shimotsuki did the singing or how that played out, but whatever the case was, it's a really great cap for the game because it's musically consistent with the rest of it and just like the violin solos are gorgeous and when you get to like right around 233 like that main bridge of the song with her singing ah oh, i just love that song like I, when i i normally kind of like do other stuff when the credits of a game are playing i was i remember i had just studied i had just applied to graduate school i was off work for two weeks and i was just laying on my bed i beat the game and i had headphones on and i just sat there listening to the credits because of how good the song was so it's very mournful it's not as optimistic as I would think you'd get, you know, from the, the end of an adventure. Like, you know, I, I don't want to spoil the ending or anything, but it's it's definitely more somber than you would expect for a finale. Gorgeous song. Also gorgeous is Frozen Flame, and I'm just going to come right out and tell you that I never got to the part in Chrono Cross where that happens. I know, I know, I'm horrible, but I never got past the, uh, the part with the dragons in Chrono Cross. So I never got to hear that in the game, but I enjoyed hearing it now. Well, I've heard I've heard that song before because the soundtrack is amazing. But uh, I don't think you're horrible. What do you think? You can always redeem yourself. Yes, I can still go back and play it just like you can go back and play Phoenix Wright. I agree. What I really like about that song, because obviously I've finished Chrono Cross a couple of times, is that you spend a lot of the game thinking the frozen flame is the dragon's tear in the beginning, the thing that makes Surge switch bodies or whatever. And it's that song has such a sense of like. When, I'm pl- when I think of Chrono Cross, I always get sort of this image of running across fields. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I-, I just see the tiny character models running across the world map. And they just have such a sense of, I don't know, the, the soundscape is really open. And like, it just it has that really particular thing that Frozen Flame gets perfectly. And I can visualize the room it takes place in. I haven't beaten that game in years. But it's, it's so solemn and just mysterious. Ah, I love it. Good pick, Mike. Mysterious is my word. No, I can't use it anymore. Hey, can go ahead. But I like it because it's mysterious. <laughs> it's, it's mysterious. It has this, I don't know, it's hard to put into words. Wow. Kind of a mystical feel to it. Yeah, which, which is, is very appropriate. It's totally appropriate for that. And then it's another reason I picked it is because it also kind of gives me a vibe of a certain song from Chrono Trigger. Which we'll play later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, we're gonna play Chrono Trigger later. How? How? That's mysterious. I hadn't, oh, is that a spoiler? I hadn't expected that. Whoa! Yeah, I didn't okay. expect that. In the time, time travel, travel episode. episode. <laughs> I would, wow, I, would fi- I would fire myself if that was if we didn't play Chrono Trigger in this episode. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of firing myself up, Derek, your pick was awesome. Yeah, I made an executive decision as we were listening to that because I really, really like the piano version of that that's on the Final Fantasy XI Piano Collections album. So I thought, why not play both? So we listened to the in-game version of the Cosmic Wheel followed by the piano version. I actually think I prefer the piano version overall because the piano version, I think, is a little bit more evocative. But that song is one of those 
like many of the songs that we play and like a lot of music in general, a lot of the times when we listen to music, we think of either where we were when we heard them or in the case of games, the area that it plays in. So I, I just very vividly remember the fields. And I, I want to say this plays in the past version of Sarada Barda and in Wings of the Goddess, part of the storyline is, you know, it's time travel. And sorry, this is kind of a spoiler, but uh, nobody's going to go back and play Wings of the Goddess now. Sorry, you're and, not. And probably I was can. going to. Right. Is that um, it's Atomos is is there and he's the devourer of time. And that's not even like the end revelation or anything. But uh, in Wings of the Goddess, it was really interesting because in, right when the expansion came out, there was this tiny, tiny little comet in the sky and with every patch that the game that came out for Final Fantasy XI after that, the comet got bigger and bigger. And people, they, they never, the developers never said anything about this. And after a couple of patches, people were like, "Is it just me, or has the comet gotten bigger?" So as it came closer to the end of the expansion, it was like huge, a lot like Dalamud in Final Fantasy XIV uh, version one. Before Dalamud fell, it was getting bigger and bigger every patch. So it was really interesting. So I always think of the starry nights in uh, Sarada Barda and, and watching that comet just gently flickering and i think that that song is a really good accompaniment to it yeah I, I i agree it's it's weird because i got like early fantasy star vibe like the this is the 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 tone of the song really reminds me of some of the early town themes in fantasy star 4 and like the gamelan and the i i think it's gamelan i i hope i'm i'm using that that word right for that instrument but it it really was evocative for me and i like the piano version a lot but i think i actually honestly prefer the original i don't i don't know like, the piano version has, is a great arrangement of it that I, I would listen to both of them easily, but I, I like the the sort of variety and the tempo and just the, the, the mood of the original version. I, I could really see running around a village in an MMO to that. All right, well, this is your one and only descent for the episode that I will allow you the next time it's off with your head. Fair enough. Okay. Wow, that's uh, that's not at all harsh. <laughs> hey, I, I, we're I harsh here. I can, yeah, I know. We're not. I don't know though. if I can choose which one I like more. The piano one is gorgeous the the original one that the flute that plays i assume it's a flute it's some kind of wind instrument it, it reminds me a lot of the original crystal chronicles oh it's and, actually yeah yeah okay so it wasn't just me no i can see that did did mizuta do the music for crystal chronicles actually now that i think of it no, no I, I, I just or was I it like it up. Kumi, it kumi tanioka yeah it was, i think yes. it was kumi tanioka that's why i looked it up i was like this sounds really i similar. love vanadil and i love bastuk buy my cd that's a, that's a little uh, reference that exactly two people in the audience will get. Um, hey, that's, the, hey, that's 50% of our audience. Right? <laughs> uh, back at the uh, the first Final Fantasy XI fan festival that was held on the Santa Monica Pier in uh, 2007? Do the, yeah, I think so. Um, I went to all of those, by the way, because I was a huge Final Fantasy XI geek. But Kumi Tanyoka performed on stage with the Star Onions. And that was actually, I think that was my first concert ever, which was an awesome concert. And Kumi Tanyoka was trying so hard to speak English. <laughs> and all, all she said was, I love Vanadil and I love Bastuk. And then she was like, buy my CD! So we and did. Then you did. Yeah. All I got out of that story was... You came to Santa Monica and you did not say hi to me. I didn't know you yet, Mike. Oh, uh, we better move on that's, before we get into a fight. That's Ooh. no excuse. So our that's, next, okay. our next, our next block of tracks because Derek picked two this time. I booted him out. I didn't really. It was just that's how the cookies crumbled. Uh, so the first track of the next ones we picked is from the game Time Travelers by Hideki Sakamoto, which has not come out here, and I. Probably I not going. Does, I hope it does. I'm holding out for uh, for level five international to still scoop that up. Yeah, I hope so, but. 
it, it's got some great music. Uh, Hideki Sakamoto is a, a really great composer that I've kind of only recently started really following. And the track I picked is an on, is an honest heart. It's Kamiya's theme. I don't know who Kamiya is. I haven't played the game. I watched some video of it, but it's a really rad song. And then I think Mike picked our next two tracks. Actually, I don't think I know he did. Mike, you picked our next two. What did you pick? You think all the time. What are you talking about? Mm. Okay, I picked. I had a really hard time with this because I picked this track is from Final Fantasy VIII. Only a plank between one and perdition. Yes. I had a really hard time narrowing down Final Fantasy VIII tracks. Yeah, there's a lot but, of great music in it. Yeah. Uh, this one is one of my favorites, especially the beginning of it, and uh, that's all I'm going to say for now. And the other one is Shala's theme from Chrono Trigger, which is, to me, sounds like has a similar vibe to Frozen Flame, which is why I picked both of them. Yes. What, Amazingness? I, yes, you're right. That's exactly what it sounds like, Amazingness. Amazingness vibe, yes. So coming up next, we've got An Honest Heart, Kamiya's theme, Only a Plank Between One and Perdition, and Scala's theme.
So like I said, I haven't played Time Travelers at all. I know so little about it other than that it's an interesting looking visual novel, graphic adventure, visual novel. And that song is awesome. Like uh, Sakamoto's already great and just the, the the piano, the bass, it just has this really dramatic thing to it and I can be bought with high drama as I've said before. Mm. Like there's that sort of choir vocal in the background. I think it's like halfway through that kicks in. Very 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 delicious. Again, I can't comment on its context in the game, but it makes me want to play the game, which is rad. Yeah, and that that particular track was a recommendation from our friend Don. Hey Don, hi. He's probably never going to listen to this. Wow, um, such Don. Wow, so Don. And yeah, it's a good track. It's almost uplifting. I get the I get the, a very spirit of adventure kind of vibe, like almost like uh, Noriyuki Iwadare's theme of Grandia. Oh, the adventure's beginning. Yeah, and I agree. Youthful, definitely. youthful vigor and all that stuff. He's full of piss and vinegar, just like Justin. It's such a gross phrase, isn't it? And yeah. I like vinegar. I just all right. That, that's a tangent. Anyway, wow, <laughs> wow, wow, such bizarre. I also like. Wait, which one did you like? <laughs> oh my god. Vinegar. Yes, the vinegar. Salt vinegar chips. Delicious. Only a plaque. Yes. Between... Mike, what did you think of Honest Heart? Oh, I, I liked it a lot. I, I completely forgot about that game. When, when we were covering it on the site, I remember looking at the artwork. I really liked the artwork. And apparently it came out, you know, over a year ago in Japan. So I don't know if we're ever going to get it. But I liked the look of it. And I had no idea that it had a song like that. Well, it's uh, Yeah, exactly. That's Like I said, Sakamoto is kind of somebody that I haven't kept close tabs on but like he the, an album uh, called Tokiden just got released and that's awesome and there's you know the time traveler soundtrack has a, has a lot of variety to it and there's some filler stuff too but by and large it's pretty rad and let's let's not give up hope about it being localized because keep in mind Nino Kuni didn't get localized till like almost what was it like two two and a half years later or something yeah that's it's pretty, true. it was pretty late yeah yeah so level five just takes their time I guess so Speaking of not taking your time, there's only a plank between one and perdition, which is a really, really interesting title for an awesome song that I mistakenly thought was the track it plays when the XATM 092 giant crab mega monster is chasing you. It is not. However, it is still awesome. Did we actually determine where it plays? Because I don't remember either. I just know I like it. I feel like it plays during a chase. Maybe when you're climbing the TV tower? That's what it plays. Is it? I was going to say that or escaping the prison, but I I don't remember. Maybe both. I'm pretty sure it played more than once. Well, it's it's definitely... Whatever you're running to or from or towards, I think it's really a good theme for that because it's very – I kept thinking the word relentless, just the, the tempo of the song. Maybe that's why it made me think of getting chased by the relentless crab unless you stop and kill him which by spamming your GFs. 8, eight has an awesome soundtrack in general. Um, we, I, th- I believe we have another track from 8 coming later, but 8 just has such good music that – and it's a shame that like it's not one of my favorite Final Fantasies, but my memories of playing it are really fond. Like, I think back now, and I'm like, all right, the plot in 8 is kind of nuts. And, like, the battle system is basically boils down to get Squall to low HP and win every battle. But, yes. I mean, I had fun with it. I didn't care. You know, uh, it, it's not my favorite in hindsight, but the music has just always been uh, probably probably my favorite. Maybe tied, maybe about, maybe ahead of 9. I know that's crazy, but 8, I really love the soundtrack in 8. It has this sort of, like, regal military academy feel, like which is appropriate. But it, it has, it sounds very different from the game that came before and after it. Yeah, I, I, it is one of my favorites too. I, I don't know if other most people agree. I, I think sometimes people get hung up on what's that weird, what's that weird song? Is it Shuffle and Boogie? Shuffle and oh. Boogie, the card song. Yeah, yeah, bow, 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 bow. song. I like no, that. there's one with a lot of weird like boops and beeps and. Are you, are you thinking of Honeybee Inn from Seven? Boop, no, boop, no, boop, there is one boop. from Eight. <laughs> it's there is some definitely like 
really odd songs in there, but for the most part, it's one of my favorite. Yeah, songs. but then there's like right. there's like Fisherman's Horizon and the Extreme Compression oh. of Time. Intense yeah. Man with the Machine Gun. Yep. Man with the Machine Gun. The regular <laughs> battle theme, the boss theme, like so many awesome themes in that game. Like that battle theme to this day is just so dramatic. When it's like and like everyone's like swinging their gun blade and all the enemies show up, you're like, oh, it's gonna be a fight. Yeah, it's awesome. It is going to be a fight. Much love for for FF8. Yes. I was really sad. I guess I can say it because it's not in the episode. But one of the last tracks I could not, or we had to cut, was the Chocobo theme from 8. Mods to Chocobo. We'll get it in there eventually because we're going we're gonna to do some sort of mobile transportation implement episode. Yeah. Because we don't want to limit it to vehicles. We want to make sure our favorite bird friends get in there. But yeah, that's an awesome song. And also an awesome song. I don't want to mispronounce her English name, so I'm going to call it Sarah's theme from Chrono Trigger. Scala, Shala. It's Scala or Shala. It's one of those I've two said it things. Both ways. It's the yes. character that I always wished was a playable character in Chrono Trigger. Like I had dreams of of. Okay, it was between her being a party member in Chrono Trigger using a game genie or something, and the freaking shark guy from Super Mario RPG. I forget his name. Do you remember the, the, where you go to the pirate ship underwater? And I, I know, remember there. Yeah, I know, I know who you're talking about. It was probably stupid, some shark-related pun. Like his name yeah, was probably Sharky or something. It was there, like those AOL message board rumors that circulated. Um, that they were like, "Yeah, did you hear that you could get him and you can revive Eris?" Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say yeah, and they also told me I could revive Eris if I ran right. a circle around the, the crystal thing in the city of the ancients twenty times. Yeah. And then, like, the catfish comes out of the water with the holy materia, and Eris comes back to life, and. Which would be bad, because then if you didn't have the holy material in the water, it wouldn't, you know, stop the meteor from killing everything on the planet. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. But yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, what I really like, and again, I have to thank Ivy Tran for introducing me to the term for gamelan, because that's that, that boom, boom instrument that's playing in there. And what I really like about it is that it ties her in thematically with quarters of time or time circuits, the, the, the overworld theme for Zeal. Which it's so appropriate because she's the princess of Zeal and she's such an important pivotal character in both games. I mean, in both games, arguably, she's the reason Magus goes back and does everything. So she's incredibly important in Chrono Trigger, and she's you know attached to the final boss of Chrono Tross. So like the whole game is a plot to save her. So uh, yeah, and there's there's also the uh, the extra ending in the DS version of Chrono Trigger involves her as well. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yep. Which, and it ties and it ties it into Chrono Cross, which is awesome. And so I, I really appreciate that, you know, her theme is so closely tied to Zeal because you would think with Magus being the playable character, he'd get the important, you know, he'd get the, the, the music that ties him to his homeland. But I guess to reflect how far he's come from being, you know, Janice, the little dorky kid with the kitty, it, she's got that theme because she's still, you know, part of it. So I don't know. I, I, I see it that way. And I really like that kind of connection between the two because they're two of my favorite songs from that game. Yep, and I I don't I wouldn't say that she's like my favorite character because she's not as involved as the she doesn't get as much screen time is what I mean to say as the rest. But I I always I don't know something about her design and her story like always really captivated me. So it was a good pick. I'm glad you picked her theme. I am too. Yeah. Oh my. All right. Yeah. She she oh, is sorry. the only she's basically the only decent person in Zeal. Yeah. I think that's what makes her so uh, endearing. Freaking, freaking Dalton, man. What a oh, jerk. Good old Dalton. They're, they're all pretty much jerks. Any well, random person you talk to. What's crazy, too, is that, like, like if she had become the queen, maybe it wouldn't have been so crappy. Because, you know, the people are reflected by the ruler, and the ruler was a nutball. 
So, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been as terrible, but we're, it's a little hypothetical. Also, it's crazy that Dalton is the reason that, uh, what's the name? Cora, Coral, the, 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 the area gets invaded and everyone gets killed. Like, it's Dalton. He's in the ending. I'm like, man, that sucks that Dalton, the goober guy that you could totally knock out easily, is the one that murdered lovable characters. Yes. So, with that depressing takeoff, I think you guys picked a couple of our next tracks. Actually, we're not going to move too far out of the uh, sad stuff, because the first track in our next block is uh, the title theme to Ever-17. It's called Karma. Ever-17 is uh, part of the Infinity series, which is a criminally unknown, at least in, in English, series of visual novels that are very complex, very multi-layered. And they're actually uh, written by the same scenario writer for 999 and Virtue's Last Reward. It's Uchi Koshi is his last name. Yeah, it's like, first name is like Kotaru, which always reminds me of uh, the guy from Mortal Kombat, even though there's no one named Kotaru. There's Hotaru, but I digress. I gotcha. But uh, yeah, it's really, really good game um, with an incredibly complex plot in, in the best way. And it's a very emotional theme, so I hope you guys like it. And then Mike picked our next two. I picked two. Okay. You did. Yeah. You two? cheater. As Axel said in Kingdom Hearts 2, two. Well, I didn't I didn't set the order, so you have to blame Steven for that. Got it memorized. So the first one is Gerudo Valley from Ocarina of Time, which I didn't initially want to include because I didn't want to be too obvious. I feel like it is the obvious track from Ocarina of Time to play, and then I decided I didn't care if I was being obvious because it's probably my favorite track in the game, second favorite track in the game. Uh, this version is from the Anniversary soundtrack that was bundled with Skyward Sword, which has selections from the Zelda Symphony series or concert series, and it's very good. Yeah. Uh, after- <laughs> yes, yes. I, I agree with that assessment, and I'm actually glad you picked this version too because I love I, I love the original. Uh, but I think it's it's cool to maybe let people hear something they haven't heard. Yeah. After that is our first track from Final Fantasy XIII 2, because, spoiler, there's time travel. No, there isn't. Actually, yes, there is. I, I know you're about to explain, but I'm really glad that you picked music from thirteen two, And we'll discuss it later. But there's a, I think a lot of people probably looked over it, the game entirely just because of thirteen's rep. But thirteen two has a really good soundtrack, and we're going to prove it today. So Yeah, although, yeah. just like with Nier... We shouldn't have to. Right, exactly. So, sorry, Mike, what's the name of the track you picked? Well, according to you, it's Run. (laughs) Um, I'm not a liar, Mike. Well, according to you in Japan, it's Run. I'm not Um, a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. uh, Apparently, when Square Enix translated it with the uh, U.S. release, it was called Full Speed Ahead. So both are accurate. Yes, and then after that, I am going to play our second Chrono Cross track for the day. This is a song that is... So pivotal for me in terms of my history of enjoying video game music that I'm I'm shocked I didn't pick it sooner and I think it's because I wanted the appropriate I, I wanted to make it let it let it simmer and marinate so that way when we finally played Chronopolis from Chrono Cross it would have the same impact as it did when you first played Chrono Cross and got there and we're like Ugh! so coming up we've got Karma Gerudo Valley the anniversary edition full speed ahead and Chronopolis.
Ever 17 was unfortunately, um, it, it was published by a now defunct publisher called Hirameki International, and they stopped publishing games in 2008, so Ever 17 is really hard to get a hold of. It's out of print and not available digitally anywhere as far as I know. But the game is very much worth playing, and that's a, a really poignant song after you play through the game. It's, it's, it's already pretty emotional, I think, actually, but after you've played the game, you're like, why? Why is this happening? Wow, such sad... What Zero Escape? It's interesting. I get a really big Zero Escape vibe from it. Even though the composers are different, this one was Takashi Abo. It's 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 almost like th- th- this writer. I don't I don't know how much creative input he had into the game, but it's almost like there's this mood that they try to create. That I guess he's just really good at creating. Because I really did get a Zero Escape series vibe from that song, and I really liked it too. Me too. I I, I just learned as we were listening to that whatever seventeen was. It's not at all what I thought. It is not a dating sim. I have now learned. Well, um, to be so fair, wish... to be fair, you do actually kind of romance the girls in the game, but it's more like you choose one and you go down that girl's path, and then it opens up story relating to her. It's, uh, not, I see. it's, it's not so much like a little dating take home. Give me kisses and meet my you, parents. You you spend an intimate evening with Yukiko, kind of thing. Oh well, I'm not even I'm not even opposed to that. I, I, I'm opposed to it because you that. should be you should be spending an intimate evening with Chie, but I should be I spending it with Kanji, but you can't. Well, you <laughs> you can't have Christmas with Kanji. You mean Dojima? Yeah, Christmas. I oh yeah, Dojima. What was I thinking? Yeah, Christmas with Kanji is great. But yes, Ever Seventeen. The whole soundtrack is actually really cool. I've, I've I actually have the soundtrack, and it's it's got a really distinctive vibe that it, I I haven't played the game yet, but I want to. That really suits it. And then Gerudo Valley. Or Gerudo, however we want to say this. I haven't played Ocarina of Time to the point where you go there. I've never seen the area. I don't know anything about it. I just imagine what? that it's. I imagine that it's orange. That's even more unbelievable than me not beating Chrono Cross. I'm sorry. What's even more unbelievable is that I don't like it. That's why I haven't beaten it. Uh, ah. I love the soundtrack in Ocarina of Time. There's so many really great songs in it, and this is. Uh, if I'm not wrong, this is from the live performance that they did, the the Symphony of the Goddess, Correct. and it's amazing. Like it's just it, it. Like especially after like the like around I'd say like two minutes fifteen seconds like. It takes the the regular Gerudo Valley theme, but then sort of like gives builds to this like dramatic being played in an orchestra crescendo, where like every regular note they're just hitting it a little bit harder, and they're just taking the emotion even further, and it's it's just it's glorious. Yeah, I would I would go so far as to call it the perfect arrangement of the song. Oh yeah, easy. I'd, I'd agree with that. Glorious is a really good way to describe it. It's which actually it's a good way to describe the whole CD. Yeah, and I don't majestic, even know even majestic is good. I don't know if you can get it anymore. If I don't think they still bundle it with Skyward Sword, so I have no idea how a person can buy this anymore. You can listen to it on YouTube, yeah? Yeah, That's I was going to say, you can or, definitely YouTube's it. And then uh, another excellent song that Mike picked was Full Speed Ahead slash Run from Final Fantasy Thirteen Two. It's very, very, and I guess there's a few tracks in the game, but it's very high energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that that whole game has sort of like a when I think of the music, I think it does even in the music, the way it was put together, it's very adventurous, like despite that a lot of people, you know, claim they hate 13-2 and ha- probably haven't played it. I haven't played it. I'm working on it literally right now because of how good the soundtrack is, but it's very they 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 did a lot of crazy stuff with it. Maybe not all of it played out, but at the very least, it it does that song in particular reminds me of like an early 2000s rock song for some reason until the violin kicks in. And then like there's that guitar solo in the middle that's just totally rad. It it, it definitely I would associate that vibe with 13-2 just based on what I've seen of it. Yeah, that violin is I think my favorite part of the song. Yeah, the wailing violin solo instead of a yes. wailing guitar solo. Yes. I guess that's kind of got both. That's true. It's got it all. And finally, Stephen's Holy Grail, 
Chronopolis. Yeah, this this when I was first played Chrono Cross, which is it's hard to imagine a time in my life where I was first playing Chrono Cross because I mean, come on, I should have played it before then, um, right when it came out, you know. It uh, first of all, the the joke comments I wrote were wow, such base and such mystery. But uh, what what I what I really think about that song is like you know you have this whole game where the music is full of these organic these ethnic acoustic sounds, this really lush, you know, the, I mean, you, you know what Chrono Cross looks like. It, it's just, it sounds gorgeous and natural and just very, you know, acoustic. And then all of a sudden you get to this area and it's like, boom, it's like the scene in Terminator 2 when they're infiltrating Cyberdyne. Like, you've got this cold synthetic nightmare. There's no natural sounding instruments there. There's nothing acoustic. It's just that, that bang. I, I can't even emulate the sound, but you know, the distinctive Chronopolis sound. It's It just sounds like you've entered a metal box and there's no sign of the natural world left. And it, it really... That's why I think that, that a part of the game impacts people so much when they get there because, you know, if they haven't decided they hate the game yet and, you know, if they have good taste, they get there and they're like, holy crap, this is different. And I think... Maybe even because I never thought of that when I first played it. It wasn't like, oh, this sounds different because it's, you know, it's synthetic sounding. But when I stop to think about it, I think that's a big part of why it impacts people so much when they get to Chronopolis, because it's nothing like anything else. It, it, it's one of my favorite tracks in the game, too. In fact, the only reason I didn't choose it as one of mine is because I knew you had it on one of yours. But it's it's definitely one of the stronger ones on that soundtrack. I would. I, I never realized why, but it's probably the reasons you just stated. Because reasons. But yeah, coming off of that fantastic Chrono Crossness uh, is some more fantasticness. This is another track from Radiant Historia that I picked because I love Radiant Historia so very much, and I'm not even done yet with this one. But this is Rebellion, which is rad. It's by Yokushimamura, and that's coming next. And then Derek, I believe you picked our next one. All right, real talk. I think this song it makes me cry, and. I don't think it's the first time I've said that on this podcast. I'm an emotional guy, okay? It's okay. uh, This is Time Travel, the U.S. instrumental version from Professor Layton and the Unwound Future. It is the ending theme, and if you have played Professor Layton and the Unwound Future and beaten it, you will know why it makes you cry, or at least why it makes me cry. You you may not cry. You may be an unfeeling sack of meat and bone, but I I have feelings. Yeah, if if you didn't cry, you probably don't like Chrono Cross either, so... This, This song brings them out, so it's a really good one. And another Mike track. Me again. Okay, this is the... Well, it's not the last Zelda thing I picked, but it is the other Ocarina of Time song, which is my favorite track in the game. And this is the Temple of Time, and if you've heard it, I think you know why it's my favorite. So I think we should listen to it. Yes. Coming up, we got Rebellion, Time Travel, and Temple of Time.
you know, I, I, I could talk all day about the Radiant Historia soundtrack. I just, I think it's, it's, it's my favorite part of the game easily in a great game already. And it's, before I played it, it, it gave me such vibes of Chrono Trigger and just, I got, I got such, I was reminded so much of the feelings I had when I first played Chrono Trigger when I was playing Radiant Historia. And just the buildup in that song to the choir and then the organ, it's just, and that, you know, it, it's like Shinomura's violin playing, just, uh, when she puts violin in her songs, like, it kicks you in the teeth. It is absolutely impossible to to not distinguish uh, the violin from a Shimamura track in there. I mean, it's just, it's her thing, and it's it's so gorgeous. And that song is, I'm not going to, I don't even want to use a doge joke for it. It's it's just incredibly dramatic and so evocative. And uh, and what is, what is the description you said in the liner notes? What's the description of the song? So it's, it's a little bit spoilery, but it's it's described as for people who rebel against the true history. And it, if you read the back of the box for Radiant Historia, it's, you know, you're, you're trying to align these two timelines because both of them are on this path to destruction. So you have to bounce back and forth between these two timelines to correct events so that echoes from that timeline will go into the other timeline and you can get the world on a path where it's not going to be destroyed. And it's it, it plays out awesomely. And... This is a boss theme that plays during major battles with characters that have an impact on the timeline. So it's you know I uh, I don't I don't really this isn't really a comment on the music so much so I'll keep it brief. But I, I don't normally say this about games, but I think that Radiant Historia would have benefited a lot from higher production values in terms of like presentation and maybe even voice acting. Um, I agree. I, I, I no, I agree because I think that like it has it has such a good story, but I don't feel like it's presented incredibly well. So I, I, it just kind of always made me sad. Like, I I like Radiant Historia, but I'm not the biggest fan of it just because I think the battles get kind of tedious. But yeah, so I'm glad, I'm glad that you actually agree with that. Well, that's the thing is, like, I love that game to death, but there are two problems with it. One is that it's it's there's a relatively small amount of landmass that you deal with, and it gets a little repetitive because you do cross a lot of the areas at the same time, and the battles can be repetitive. So I agree. I think it could have been a better game with a bigger budget because... Uh, it's. I would even argue that even the game portion of Chrono Trigger is probably my least favorite part of Chrono Trigger. Even though I, I think the battles in Chrono Trigger are more fun. But it's. I think the the presentation and the story and just the visuals and of course the music are the best parts of Radiant Historia. So I think definitely, I would have loved to have seen it have a bigger budget. But I still beat it and was just enthralled with it. It's one of my favorite games ever. So I I really need to play this game. I think yes. I think you would enjoy it. I, I've heard two tracks from it now. Or is it three? And I you've heard two. There's a I've third coming. Two. Well, don't tell people that. Spoiler. It's a secret. All right. So after Rebellion, which, by the way, I I clicked on the MP3 immediately, thinking I was going to get Ragnar the Blood Edges theme from Blaze Blue. I didn't. I was I was surprised. Anyway, so after Rebellion, we listened to Time Travel, the U.S. instrumental version from Professor Layton in the Unmound feature, and oh, that song. You know, I think that song's almost like it almost veers into cheesy. But it's it's a very sappy, um, I, I don't know. It's it's I think it's a sweet song. It's got the saxophone accord and like the very French sounding accordion and piano and more violin. And I just think it's a very uh, I don't really know what else to call it other than sappy. It's 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 saccharin maybe. Uh, maybe that might be going too far, but it's a very sweet song. I thought it was pretty and very emotional. I guess it's tougher to get an idea of it. Mike, didn't you say it reminded you of like some 70s TV show? Yeah, not a specific one. Just there were certain parts of it that made me feel like this could be the theme song from some show. And so, 
from seventies or eighties. All yeah. my Laytons. <laughs> all my Laytons. All my Laytons. Yes. Layton matters. I, I would watch that. Yeah. Or a Luke in a Hard Place or something. Oh, that's a di- from a different studio. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I always go there, don't I? And then we listen to Mike failed to tell us that this was not the original version of the Temple of Time. Correct? Well, I, I wouldn't say I failed. Uh, I, I, I would, but that's me. That's true. Maybe, maybe I <laughs> maybe not succeeded. Out. You withheld the information. I withheld on purpose to surprise people. Okay. Yes, also, so they I were forgot. excited. Also, we forgot. But that's not here. That's neither here nor there. So, as somebody that has only made it to the Temple of Time literally once, I've been in the Temple of Time once because the one time I played Ocarina of Time and made it the farthest was on the GameCube when the disc came out as the greatest pre-order bonus of all time. They gave you a disc with like a bunch of with I think it was Ocarina of Time. Master Quest, and I think it had Majora's Mask on it, too, for pre-ordering Wind Waker, which is just a crazy awesome bonus. I got to the Temple of Time, which is after the first three dungeons, got through it, and, like, I, I guess I had to go do something with, like, Zora's, I don't remember. I think that was earlier. But, yeah, I got it. I walked out of the Temple of Time. I was like, hmm, Hyrule sucks now. And that's, I never played it again until oh. until 3DS when I didn't even get past the first dungeon before selling it. But, again, we, my one character flaw is that I hate Ocarina of Time. As a game. I, re- I respect it. I totally dig why everyone loves it. I just didn't play it at the right time. I had played Wind Waker. Well, no, I hadn't played Wind Waker first, but I don't know. I just, I just, I get nothing out of it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I hope everyone listening can uh, appreciate the gravity of this moment when a friendship collapsed <laughs> in the middle of the show. <laughs> it's almost yeah. happened before with me and Steven, but it's close here. Close. Yeah, we're, we're really, uh, really pushing it this time. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I do think this song is... It's it's very it's I don't think it's it's served well by the the long loop that we have but I think as a piece of music that's meant to be evocative of something that I have to imagine this shook people to their core when they first played cuz everybody who plays Ocarina of who played Ocarina of Time when they were younger when they first played it talked about how the game just blew them away with its scale and just the 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 drama and how complex and deep and engaging it was and so for the Temple of Time, it's kind of this incredibly important part of the game because you have to go back there to change time between Happy Hyrule and Ganon Dunderped Hyrule. And it's I think this really serves it well. Yes. Yes. It, it's a huge... I don't know if it's the biggest moment in the game, but up until that point, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's this just really, really pivotal part of the story. So when you walk in there and with what you do... I won't tell anyone because I'm sure no one knows. Um, but I, I've always, always loved that track. That is my favorite one in the game. Maybe partially because it's tied to that moment when you pull the sword out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an awesome moment. Well, it's it's it like it's, and, it's just like a link to the past when you get when you get the master sword. It's awesome. You're like, yes. That's true. That's true. But there there is something to say, and I don't mean to be the you know designer person and say talk about graphics, but when you see that that moment but rendered in 3d it just it really has an impact i i i can i can totally appreciate that it's like i said i i know why people love the game and i i think it's it's not the game it's me it's you it's not it's you. okay it's me. we still but, mostly like you yeah but speaking of games that i have played but music that was not in that game until the ds re-release mike you picked our next three tracks stupid selfish michael such a howdy do that yes yes hey I like I said, I did not set the order of these tracks. Yeah, that was actually. Me. I, I I think you put them in this order just because you wanted to say that about about me. Mm, that's true. I again, we take any opportunity to sneak in an Arrested Development reference. 
say, actually, I didn't intend that, but Derek never disappoints me ever. So, wow, there you thank go. you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Look who's trying to score points. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so the first the first track I pick um, is "Singing Mountain" from Chrono Trigger, which was on the original soundtrack back in 1995. Um, but it was one of two tracks on that soundtrack that never did not make it in the game for whatever reason. They're on the DS version, which I forgot until you reminded me just now. But as soon as I heard it on the soundtrack, it's always been one of my favorites. After that, we have another Final Fantasy VIII track. Maybe I'm a Lion, but it's not the original. This one's from the Black Mages 2 album. And it rocks hard. Rocks hard, yes. And another Zelda track, because, of course, I have to come on here and play Zelda. Yeah, well, no, we appreciate it. Well, someone's got to do it. I agree. Uh, this one's from A Link to the Past, Woo! which is, is it the only tr- Link to the Past song we have on here? I don't think so. Okay. After Dark Mountain Forest, because we're trying to jam as much awesome music at you as possible here, I picked, and everybody's surprised I picked this because I don't like the game, but I picked Conquest from Fire Emblem Awakening and would have picked the battle version of it too, because Fire Emblem Awakening has an incredible soundtrack that sure does. is just, I, I can't totally write the game off because everybody but me likes it. But the soundtrack is just gorgeous. It's it's one of the most – it's three discs of just incredibly lush music. And Conquest, when I first heard it in the game, I thought I was going to love the game. So that's how potent this song was for me. So coming up, we've got Singing Mountain, Maybe I'm a Lion, Dark Mountain Forest, and Conquest.
Well, we listened to Singing Mountain first, and somehow I've gone my entire life without knowing that existed. That's uh, I, tragic. I don't know how. I just, I didn't know. So I was so very, I was very pleased to hear that. Um, it was, it was like discovering an old friend had a, a new exciting feature. Ha, I, was, ha, I was trying had to think a brother of a, that you grew up with that you liked just as much as him. Sure. Yeah, I was trying to think of a good analogy for that, but. So, it, yeah, it was, like, nostalgic and fresh for me all at once, so I definitely liked that a lot. I do like when I discover that my friends have new features. That that happens all the time, actually. Yeah, like, you see, Mike, on his right butt cheek... No. Wow. <laughs> that escalated quickly. That did escalate quickly. I was going to say, yeah. it's like when I discovered that Mike likes Back to the Future, because he mailed me a DeLorean. A, a Hot Wheels, <sighs> not a real DeLorean. But okay, well... It's on topic, Derek. Additional features. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Singing Mountain is... Actually, I'm pretty sure it's my favorite track on there. I, I don't know if it's going to trigger. Well, there's I, something I, about it because it was unreleased. So, like, when I heard it the first time in whatever year I first heard it, I was like, what is this? And I, there's just something about that song, and I'm very sad it was never in the game before. But I, I really, really like that track. Yeah, I uh, I always liked it because I remember when I you know first played Chrono Trigger and I found the soundtrack and was listening to it. It was like, oh, this is so cool. What is this? And, like, I remember being like, I beat the entire game, like, nine times. I didn't hear this. And then I was like, oh, it's unreleased. So they they actually put it in the DS version into, I think it was the Lost Sanctum. It was the new dungeon they added. Unfortunately, it was a stupid dungeon because they kind of were, like, limited by time and budget, I guess. So the dungeon was basically just a series of, like, fetchy quest things and wasn't that cool. But at least they got the music in there. Uh, and then it's... I like that it starts out with that same kind of wind sound effect that you've heard in the rest of the game. And it makes me wonder what, like, the original concept for that dungeon was. Because I, I vaguely recall seeing, like, an article where somebody did, like, a ROM hack of Chrono Trigger. And apparently, like, the map for Singing Mountain is partially in the game. So, like, you can see what it would have looked like and stuff, I guess. But sadly, those kind of awesome mysteries on the cart-based games we used to love are forever lost to time. The Black Mage's version of Maybe I'm a Lion is awesome. I, Maybe I'm a Lion was always one of my favorite Final Fantasy VIII tracks, just because it's like, if I recall, I think Final Fantasy VIII has 
three final boss songs. Yeah, because it has... First it plays Premonition, then it plays Maybe Malign, then it plays The Extreme. And all three of those songs are awesome. So, like, even though the final boss fights in 8 are just crazy easy, uh, I, I always thought the Griever fight was awesome because it's just it's this song for this this random thing. It's like, hey, Squall wore a necklace of that, so it ergo must be his worst nightmare. Let's fight it. Of course. How does that not make sense? Well, I, it's just like the track title is really cool because it's like it, it's like it's like you know it, it's a little bit ham fisted, but I always imagine that Squall was saying that to himself while he's fighting Griever. Mm, like it was uh, you know the manifestation of his inner darkness or inter, inner inner. Uh... Lack of control. Or his, I don't know where I'm going with that. I actually, I've never, I've never, yeah, maybe he's only, I've never beaten FF8, uh, as crazy as that is. I've gotten to Esthar several times, and I never got past it for no reason whatsoever. It wasn't that I lost interest in the game. I was just young and inattentive. Yeah, those things happen. Yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's a, I mean, I've heard the songs, um, so I, I like it a lot. I think probably my favorite of those uh, Final Boss seems to still the extreme, but maybe Amalian's really good. And the Black Mage's version is over-the-top, rocking, crazy, super metal. Yeah, I, but, I, I will say, I, I don't think I like that version as much as the original, which is, I'm actually kind of love it or hate it with Black Mages. Like, I, I really, I guess I'm just not that into rock and roll. Like, I think that version is awesome, and I definitely like it, and, you know, I have that album, I've listened to it a lot, but... I Uematsu's proclivity for rock music, I think, is not shared by me. And that's why I think I maybe don't love his stuff as much nowadays, because now that he has the technology, you know, you have, like, Lost Odyssey, which has a great soundtrack, but it has a lot of, like, rock songs. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right, I get it. Wailing Guitars. You did Eternity and Blue, Blue Dragon. Just stop. And I think Eternity. that... Eternity. Yeah. <laughs> I think that version of it is is awesome. I just, I think maybe I prefer the original. Of maybe I'm a lion. Who picked it? Oh, Mike. No, I didn't. Did I? Yeah, you I did. did. Mm-hmm. I I I like that version better. I'm actually with you generally. The rock stuff. I'm not. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. I think for that song, I I, I don't know. I think it really works there. It just does. It just does. I can agree with that. And uh, so. I think, like, this uses, like, the motifs of the Dark World, but has kind of its own area theme to it, too. And that's something that I thought, I think Zelda always has a lot of strength in doing, is, you know, reusing motifs. So I, I always really like that you have, like, the Dark World theme, but in the forest. So it's, like, it's the same set of instruments, but it's a different area. And that made, it made the two worlds feel really cohesive. Good pick, Mike. The, the last, Good pick, Mike. The last track we played was Conquest from Fire Emblem Awakening, which... Everybody always is like, Steve, why do you like Fire Emblem? Oh, whatever, that's, you know, fair question. But Fire Emblem Awakening has an amazing, amazing soundtrack. Just every time I hear it, I kind of hate myself a little because I don't like the game. Because I, I want to play the game so I can be like, oh, and I remember when I fought this great battle to this song. This, just every aspect of the instrumentation of this song is just, it's so light, but it has that really awesome melody. And it's just, it, it, it's incredibly evocative and just, it, whew, yeah. Hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbole. Love it, though. Yep. It, it it contributed to a really positive first impression of the game for me. And as we have said, I don't I don't know if we've actually said on this podcast, we probably have, but also on uh, Random Encounter, that I, Steven and I aren't really huge fans of Fire Emblem Awakening. Um, I think I like it more than he does, but the game, 
like the game aside, and I feel bad about that almost, like Stephen does. But but the game aside, the music is great, and um, I love the main theme that's in there using the like, some kind of like a wind instrument and then something almost bagpipe y. Yeah, like um, it, it's, it's, it's very airy. Of, yeah, it's very airy. I don't I don't know if I want to say Celtic, but it it reminds me a bit of Suikoden, just in that it's that it's like a wartime theme, but it's also sort of bright and optimistic. It feels at the like same spring. Time, like yeah, I, I, it's it's weird, but I always think of spring when I hear that, and like. The, the battle version of it, which I would have included if we didn't already have a jam-packed track list, is is great, too, That and it kind of expands on those themes. But, Mike, what do you yeah. think? I think I've never played Fire Emblem, but I do like the track, and I, I wish you hadn't said it, it was airy, because that was my the <laughs> word I was going to use. But that is a good way of putting it. You've ruined the act, Job. Yeah. It's, well, I should have had a backup comment. Well, here, I'll, I'll offer one other thing about that song, and that that's... Well, you know, we t- we talked before once about how we, you know, Derek mentioned, you know, when they'd march in place when he was a kid, play Final Fantasy Tactics music and stuff, or like the Shining Force music, and like you remember that? Well, yeah, yeah. And it's like we're friends, and you listen to me. I such, appreciate it. Wow, such friend, very Derek. Wow. Yep. I. Wow. But like that's that song kind of really gives me the vibe of Fire Emblem Awakening because you think of the way those maps look in the 3D, everything has this really crisp, well produced look to it. And the areas that plays in, if I recall, are usually like fields and plains. And, you know, we make this kind of comment about music a lot, but Conquest really does kind of encompass the the areas it, it accompanies and the fights it accompanies because it's just so – you have your, your, your old dudes with their animations kind of marching around in the 3D and, like, you just imagine, like, the breeze flowing and battle going and I don't know. I It's right when we were like, yeah, time travel episode. That's one of the ones that popped into my head really quickly because – even though I I don't love the game, I, there's absolutely no getting around the fact that everybody should listen to that soundtrack. It's just gorgeous. It is very good, and it's pretty extensive. It's several discs, is it? Isn't it? Four. Three. Oh, it is four. Eight. Yeah. So Derek, I think you picked at least two of our next four tracks. I did. So I've been looking to bring tracks from this game into the podcast for a while, and I'm really excited that I was able to. But it's never quite meshed with any theme that we've picked, and it doesn't necessarily mesh, mesh with this one perfectly. I might be reaching just a little bit, but I picked two tracks from Final Fantasy, The Four Heroes of Light for DS, which is the spiritual precursor to uh, the upcoming Bravely Default, which we're super excited about. But in Four Heroes of Light, there is a sequence where you your characters go to this floating city called uh, Spelvia, or in Japanese, it's it's kind of romanized like Superbia. Superbia, yeah. But in, in the English version, it's called Spelvia. And you go there, and there's this hero named Roland, who is cowardly and afraid of being a hero. So you go into his subconscious to help him shake off that worry. And when you do that, you actually release the darkness in his mind and heart into the world, and it consumes the world. Um, so you have to go to a parallel dimension, basically, and or like a, a parallel universe, and fix it. So while you're doing that, or not while you're doing that, rather, but in, in that city, Spelvia, there's two versions of this song that play a day and a night version throughout the and like throughout the rest of the game there's every area pretty much has a day and a night version which i thought was really cool and they're very chippy and the night the night versions tend to be even more chippy but yeah so i picked the day and the night theme from uh spelvia where that happens it's called heavenly superbia day and heavenly superbia night yes we got those two and then uh, i think you picked the one after that mike yes i did uh i, I might have mentioned it on the other uh 13 two track but that was way back in like 1985 when we recorded the first half of this show. So if I said it already, I apologize. But I had a really hard time paring down Final Fantasy 13 to tracks for this show. Yeah. 
There's there's so much good stuff on that soundtrack. Now that I've actually played a lot of it too, I uh, I'm sitting here like I should have picked from Final Fantasy 13 too. I should have picked Eclipse. Well, well, I'm sure we'll pick more in a future topic. Maybe we'll do a lightning series podcast. Maybe we should. There's actually good. There's great music in all three games. It's like just... it's like twelve discs worth of music too. So yeah. Anyway, I picked Paradox. It's good. It is. I'll uh, talk more about it after. I love Paradox. Yep. Pre- you've created a favorites. Pa- Created a paradox that will destroy the entire universe. Granted, that's a worst case scenario. <laughs> Thank you. And then I picked the last track, which is uh, our final FF8 track for the day. It's Compression of Time. It's I, I actually have a difficult time paring down my Final Fantasy VIII picks as well because there are so many really interesting songs in that game. But yeah, let's uh, let's listen before we talk any further. We've got Heavenly Superbia, Day and Night, Paradox, and Compression of Time. Thank you. 
those two tracks are two of the most minimalist tracks on the Four Heroes of Light soundtrack. Let me say track again. Track, 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 track. Track it, track it, track, track. What? Uh, track. Uh, uh. They're really cool, and and predictably, the way that the day and night tracks work are they typically take the same melody and then the night version is either what it either has less instrumentation it's slower or it's just a little bit more gentle in some way so the heavenly superbia day is already pretty pretty like slow and you know there's not a ton to it in terms of musical complexity but it's still a really pleasing melody and i think that mizuda did an incredibly good job of making something that sounded authentically retro like like it it's, it's something that actually came from back, you know, back it, in the day when games like that had music so that sounded that way. See, what for me, I actually I don't disagree, but I think for me it has it's an interesting juggling act because it sounds nostalgic and it sounds like it should be 8-bit, but then you hear this individual sounds and they couldn't be done in an 8-bit system. And that's why I think it's such an achievement because it's it's nostalgic without being technically retro. I, I think that's a good way of putting it. I like that. And also, I think that whole soundtrack is awesome. I, I mean, I say, we say that a lot, but it is. <laughs> but so that's the best part about us talking about music, is that very rarely do we say, like, yeah, that soundtrack was okay. It's like, no, usually it's all awesome. Yeah, well, music typically evokes strong reactions from people, so that's why we care about it so much. No, it doesn't! I don't care about music! Urgh. Paradox is cool, too, though. As I mentioned last time, I, I'm now that I'm finally playing... Final Fantasy 13, and I've heard some of these in the game. I'm like kicking myself for not including more from that because it the game is incredibly bizarre in terms of like how it bounces you around, and I think the soundtrack reflects that kind of eclectic mix, and that's why it's there's so much variety and it's so interesting. And Paradox is one good of the word. coolest songs. Like good word, eclectic is a really good word to describe. Just like if you if you had to describe that soundtrack in one word, I would say eclectic would be it. Yeah, I mean, it's the only soundtrack where you have, like, soft piano melodies and then some dude just just ripping his vocal cords apart, screaming about chocobos. So you think you can ride this? But yeah, Paradox, uh, it really builds up, like, it layers itself in, which a lot of the music in that game has, like, a, that sense of, I use this expression a lot, but that sense of forward motion. Like, it like it keeps layering on pieces and that kind of breaks down and it comes back together. And it, it the, the sequences it accompanies in the game get a really uh, like a, a really strong narrative thrust because of that song. Mm-hmm. And Paradox is also used in the credit role. Very it's the it's almost the same. Um it's a little bit a little bit different in terms of instrumentation, but when I think of it it reminds me of the credits now because the credits are really you're left with a really intense feeling when you finish that game for better or worse. So I just remember being like gah and uh so that's what that song reminds me of. I remember you had very strong feelings at that point. Oh yeah, I was like I was raging. I was actually, I think I was Twitter raging about it. I didn't spoil anything because I hate spoilers. But what was that? But now that um, Lightning Returns is about to exist, I forgive it somewhat. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm trying to time it so I finish Lightning Returns, and with my schedule, I probably will finish it right when Lightning Returns comes out. So uh, wow. finish Lightning Returns before Lightning Returns comes out. That's yeah, it's a paradox. Yeah. Have you not played Thirteen Two? Ah, you get it. Totally Isn't that one of those things that there. can destroy the universe? That's, that's a worst case Did scenario. you know that if you change if you change the future, you can change the past? Change the past, you can change the future. Somewhere along the line, the timeline skewed into this tangent. But yeah, paradox cool. The compression of time, uh, like like I said before, it's it's always been one of the most interesting songs to me in Final Fantasy VIII because like you have like Lunatic Pandora. Uh, so much of Final Fantasy VIII's soundtrack is really different. Like it doesn't sound anything like seven or nine, which I think is the strength of all of those albums is that none of them sound the same. Like you, anybody that's ever played seven will immediately recognize that sound palette, like the like the like the the horns and like the you you know what seven sounds like. 
And, you know, Nine has that really nostalgic, kind of proto-modern-age Uematsu in Final Fantasy IX. Like, Nine was kind of like him getting to the style he's very... He, he does a lot now. And Eight has this sort of, like, regal, like, battle march, you know, like the, the military academy sound. We, we talked about it uh, earlier in the show. And compression of time, I always roll it in with Lunatic Pandora because it comes at the end of that game when everything is going cuckoo bananas. And it's just, it's it's so evocative of the type of mood that that end of that game is where it becomes really desolate. You can't see any other humans anywhere other than your party and like Ultimatius Castle is deserted except for complete nonsense. And yeah, like it a lot. That song reminds me of something I might play in a bar, like a CD a CD under city bar. And in that way, it feels almost like an FF7 track to me. But it's not, I know that it's, that's not where it plays at all. So that's, I just thought it was interesting that that's the mental image I have when I hear that. Go ahead, Mike. But more honky. A little bit honkier, yeah. There there are some weird honking sounds in Final Fantasy VIII soundtrack that (laughs) I'm I'm imagining put people off, but I think they kind of have this interesting charm to them. You know, I I, I think, didn't Rob say the same thing? I think so. I I, I vaguely recall Rob saying the same thing. He's like, no, that, that soundtrack has weird, like, honks and quacks in it. And I'm like... Should be funnier. Maybe that's why I love it so much. Yeah, that like, her, 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 like that. Yeah, it's. Yeah, there's two things going on there. You have the, like you said, the, the kind of desolate feel, but then there's those honks in the background again. And I'm sure there's an actual instrument. It's not called a honker. But... <laughs> you heard it here on Rhythm Encounter. Yes. The moment I, this is the moment where I slipped in the head, had a vision, picture my head of an instrument called a honker, and it will take over the earth. A honker. A honker. <laughs> maybe it's called a horn maybe so, yeah i'm in a band we were talking about what do you christmas play presents. the honker the honker we were talking about christmas presents one of you invents a honker and gets it to me you are best friend for life immediately so go all right okay. it sounds like a horrible like it's the follow-up to the clapper some <laughs> on tv thing clap all right on, anyway clap off and honk it honk honk yes so uh, i uh i picked two of the tracks in our next block and i love them both and like with everything else here, it was really tough to narrow them down. Uh, the first track is our last pick from Raiden Historia today, and it's Memories of the World, which is the final dungeon theme. And I I heard this song before I played Raiden Historia, and I loved it. And I was like, gosh, I wonder what that is, you know. And just when you hear it in-game, it suits the area amazingly well, and it's just it has this incredible sense of finality to it. So that's why we put it near the end of the show. So there's Memories of the World from Raiden Historia, and then from Kingdom Hearts 3DS, I have Wild Blue, which uh, a lot of people recognize it as the song from the trailers, and it's totally rad. It's very cool, um, and we'll listen to it. And then Derek, you picked the third track? I did. It is Gate of Steiner from Steins Gate. I picked an arrangement from the Steins Gate Symphonic Material album. Um, Steins Gate is a PC adventure game that was proven immensely popular and turned into an anime that is really, really good, and you should watch it. And uh, it's the kind of thing that definitely takes some... I, the main character in that series is really obnoxious at first, but he changes a lot, kind of like Luke from Tales of the Abyss. So, yeah, Gate of Steiner, excellent, excellent song. Excellent from example. a game that involves a lot of time travel. Yes. So, Mike, what are we about to listen to? We are listening to Memories of the World from Radiant Historia, Wild Blue from Kingdom Hearts 3DS, 3DS, Gate of Steiner from Steins Gate.
So I already said a lot about Memories of the World, and I'm interested in what you guys think of it. I know you've you've played Raiden Historia, Derek, but I, I'm pretty sure you said you hadn't beaten it. And uh, Mike, I, I, I have. Oh, yeah. Okay. I got the true the true ending and everything. Okay, cool. So I'm curious what you guys thought because I could just gush over that song endlessly and will if you give me the chance to. So yeah, I'm gonna let Mike go first this time because I seem to be sniping his comments. It it kind of sounds like Kingdom Hearts to me. That's not a bad thing at all, but at least that's one track. I wonder why Stephen likes it. Yeah, I wonder. I know she. I know she has more diversity than that, but it, it, I definitely get a Kingdom Hearts vibe. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to or not. When I first heard that song, I thought it was the final battle theme, but it's actually the final dungeon theme. Um, something about the progression in it reminds me of Legend of Mana, the layering of the violin, and I. I don't know what to call it other than a jingle bell. Um, I hear that a lot. Yeah, I hear that a lot in Shimamura's music, and I don't know what instrument that would be. What it sounds like, Jingle Bell? Is that right? I'm not sure. Let's just call. If I can call a thing a honker, you can call it Bella Jingle Bell. A honker. (laughs) Yes, I love honkers. But yeah, um, really good track, strong one. And then we listen to Wild Blue from Kingdom Hearts 3DS or Dream Drop Distance, as it is formally known. As Steven told us, this is actually a song that plays during the dive sequence, which is kind of a negligible thing like it's it's something that you kind of rush through and surprisingly it's a cool song and yeah it's just funny because wild blue plays like compared to the the gummy ship missions the drops aren't bad although again i i actually really like the gummy ship missions kingdom hearts too but they all have like really great music so wild blue just has that really cool build-up but it just it feels so epic and dramatic for what amounts to a sequence that's essentially barely acknowledged in the storyline so for any listeners and also mike that have not played Kingdom Hearts 3D. What are the drops? 
So when you go to change worlds because you're in the dream world, you have to dive into the worlds, and it's an excuse for them to use 3D effects. And it's basically your character like falling down a tube into the worlds with themed stuff, and occasionally be bosses, and they're they're a very close analog to the uh, the gummy ship missions, basically to pass between worlds. Okay. Um, they're not awful. They're just they're not amazing either. They're just there. But uh, the music is, as you can see, is great. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a shame that it was used in well the way you described the sequence. But I, it's a it's a fun track. I agree. And then the last track, uh, you, the one you picked, there, Gate of Steiner. Uh, that's I really like that. I haven't played any of the Steins Gate games, and I I am struggling with trying to get through the anime. But it's I dug it. There's just the one game. It's just the one game, actually. But yeah, the I'm pretty sure I could be wrong on this. Um, I don't remember hearing Gate of Steiner in the actual show. Um, it could have been in there, and I just didn't notice it. But I think it's from the game. Uh, I think like exclusively from the game. But again, I could be wrong. I could just be lying. I I could make a habit of lying to our listeners. That's fine. That's great. That'll be my thing. I so, love everybody all the time. <laughs> I, I like the uh, the really lush instrumentation in that song. I think I've said instrumentation in the last like three blocks but uh yeah it's what's the word i was thinking of to describe i I had a word that i wanted to use to describe it during the break and this is kind of out there i would say it almost reminds me of like a koichi sugiyama track i'm like drag like dragon quest symphonic suite kind of in that it is from a symphonic album oh the symphonic material yeah yeah it's just it's it's very complete melodic like musically to me kind of kind of a downer track um I wouldn't say it's sad as much as it is just melancholy. Um, there, Steins Gate very much bounces back and forth between zany and real serious. So this song is on the serious side, but it's it's got an emotional punch if you've played the game or watched the show, rather. Waffling between zany and serious, that doesn't sound like something related to an anime at all. No, mm. not at all. Or like Virtue's Last Reward or anything. Yeah. If, if you like anything that involves... Um, time travel then uh, steins gate is definitely worth looking into on whatever medium of choice you prefer the game is actually coming out uh, in english for the first time really soon via just usa i think and i haven't heard anything about it since they announced its release a couple months ago but it's coming in the meantime the anime is good for sure all right well we have uh at last come to our final block of tracks in the time travel episode but the first track mike you picked I did. It was one of the two tracks I picked from A Link to the Past, which it, it's the boss track. Yeah, it's such a, it's got such an energy to it. I, I love this track. I always have. So that's mine. Next is you, Derek. Yep. I picked a second track from Final Fantasy XI's Wings of the Goddess expansion. The final boss theme is called Goddess Divine. That's what I picked here. And it's when you're facing off against Lady, Lady Lilith who is trying to wreck your business because she's mean and she's got bat wings and she's like a succubus of doom really cool theme i actually didn't hear it initially in the game because the wings of the goddess storyline was so spread out like it took square enix like i think over a year and a half to release it in its entirety um so every couple of months it was just like cool i can't wait to do the new story and then you did it and you know, if you were playing the game a lot, it would take you like a day or so of catching up on the missions, and then you'd be like, "Great, I can't wait to wait three months to continue the storyline." So I really lost steam a lot and uh, didn't get to hear this song until much later on. But it is a good one. And then the last track we picked, I had to close the episode out with a song that I'm pretty sure we'd get yelled at if we didn't include in a time travel episode. Uh, we haven't had it, I don't think, in any 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 music show yet, which is 
hilarious that a music podcast with such big Mitsuda fans as us would not have Time Scar. But uh, I wanted to change it up a little bit. And rather than the original version of the song, which is amazing and gorgeous and perfect, just like everything else in Chrono Cross, uh, this is from the Eminent Symphony Orchestra's album called Passion. And that, al- that whole album is just incredible. They're enormously talented arrangers and performers. And this is just, when I first heard this version of the song, I was literally like getting, it was like getting punched in the face with how good it was. And <laughs> But in I, a good way. But in a good way. It was like getting punched in the face by somebody that you really like. So for our last block of tracks of the day, we've got Boss from Link to the Past, Goddess Divine from Final Fantasy XI Wings of the Goddess, and Time Scar by the Eminent Symphony Orchestra.
So the boss theme in Link to the Past is uh, listening to it like that, you realize it's kind of a brief loop. But I, I guess I never noticed that when I played Link to the Past because I was always just like, this is so awesome. Uh, but it is it is a brief loop, but it's cool. I didn't really notice how short it was until right now. It's like we were just getting into it, and oh, it was 36 seconds. Okay. But yeah, it's it's I like that. That is one of my favorite boss tracks in the series, I think. In spite of its brevity, I think it's 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 quite rad. It's I always think of the uh, no, is it Mulgera? No, like the the like the black caterpillar crab thing, or not crab, but like the caterpillar worm guy that like can knock you off to the bottom of the dungeon. Oh, that jerk. Yeah, such a pain. I always think of this song when I hear that though, or I always think of him when I hear that song. I think of the statues. I think of Blind, and I don't know why. Um, I don't know why any of us think he of was, certain bosses, but he was a really cool boss. <laughs> I like yeah. that a lot. So shock. Wow, such shock. Right. Yes. Following that, we such listened twist. to Goddess Goddess Divine, which was uh, definitely longer uh, to make up for Link to the Past's brevity. It uses the main theme. I think it's the main thing. I'm like really not on top of my game tonight as far as being educated on where things appear, apparently. But I think it uses the main theme of, of Wings of the Goddess, not like the title theme, but one of the main songs that's used the most often in cutscenes throughout Wings of the Goddess. Um, it's in the center, and it, it, I forget what instrument it's even played with, because we listened to it like 10 minutes ago at this point. I'm doing a great job here. It's a cool song. What do you think? I don't think I've listened to much Final Fantasy XI since the original soundtrack. So like most of the expansions, I don't know the music. But that, that, that was a really, really great final boss theme. Yeah, it's very climactic. And one thing that all of the Final Fantasy XI expansions do really well is providing a really satisfying end fight uh, that wraps up the story. And even though you have to wait forever to get to them, um, and then some people may debate, oh, it's too easy or whatever. But I, every time I got to the end of an expansion in 11, it felt like beating a game, like because that's what I was doing. And I was always really, really excited. And like I said, with Goddess Divine, I didn't get to actually beat that in the game until much later after I had heard the song. So some of the effect was lost, but I still think it's a good enough song on its own, even that it's worth listening to. Yeah, I would agree. Like having not played it in the game, I don't have much context for it. But it, I mean, I've seen the cutscene. I like it a lot. But I mean, I'm a big fan of Eleven's music in general. Just it's it all has a very distinct feel to it that always reminds me of that game. It makes me wish I could have played it more back in the day. Don't really. You you don't really think that. You want to think that, but you don't because <laughs> that game was such a time eater. Like, it was indeed. Max. It was definitely a time eater. Much like the bad guy in Sonic Generations. So last yeah. track, Time Scar. What I mean, if you don't like Time Scar, I I have I don't think I've ever heard somebody tell me. They don't like the song, and I'm sure there's someone that's an example of someone that doesn't like it, but I don't care. Well, there are people that don't like Chrono Cross, but I've never met anybody that doesn't like Chrono Cross that didn't still agree that Time Scar is an excellent song. Yeah, and Mitsuda's version is great, but what I love about the Eminence version is the percussion in particular, because like when it gets to the main part of the song, it's like there's some dude like smashing the drum. It's like, boom, 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 and that's, I would say, the biggest strength it has over the original is that it's just whenever they're hitting that drum, it just it sounds so much more visceral because of that. Yeah, it's it's like it's time scar plus one. Yeah, it's kind of wild armsy to me. I can see version. that. It's it's very alive. I like it. Yeah, I agree. It's I I wanted to get it in here because we haven't we haven't played time scar yet in the show, and I mean, which is just shocking. Yeah, well, you know, you saved the best. And on that note, uh, that pretty much wraps us up for today. As always, thanks for listening. And likewise, in general, if you guys want to talk to us, um, send us suggestions, ideas for topics, if there's anything you'd like to hear, if you have ideas for ways that we can improve, any of those things, get in touch with us. You can either email us. I'm Derek at RPGFan.com. Steven is Steven M. No. Yes. yes. Steven M at RPGFan.com. That's Steven with a PH. 
You can also reach me on Twitter at EmbryonX, and Stephen is at SJM Talis. That's T E A T A E L E S. I can't. Mm. Such spelling, very well. Yeah. Anyway, so talk to us. Um, we like to talk about things, and please, 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 if you are listening and you enjoy the show, voting, or not voting, but rather rating or reviewing us on iTunes is incredibly helpful for a number of reasons. Um, we were really happy to reach 15 reviews recently on this podcast. All of them were five stars, and they make us feel awesome. You guys are the best. Tell your I friends. Agree. And yeah, you're making us feel great. So thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to enjoy the show. Yeah, say hello to your mothers for us. And uh, so taking us out, Mike, uh, this is your first time on the show, but you know how the guest choice works. And I have to understand you had quite a bit of difficulty with this because I kept picking tracks you wanted to use. Uh, and I have no idea what you're going to go with now, but for your first ever guest choice pick, what did you pick, Michael, and why? I, I think you should see if you can guess the game, because there were several games that I, I was trying to pick from. Chrono Trigger. No. Final Fantasy VIII. Wow, you guys fail. No, what I picked was Noel's theme from Final Fantasy XIII Oh, excellent! Well, there's <laughs> yes! two. There's two. There's regular Noel's theme, and there's the, the Final last Journey time. one, yeah. yeah, which is a wonderful, wonderful song. It's it's very it's so haunting. I it, love this choice and I love this Michael. Why thank you. I love you guys too. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my sentiment as well. Yeah. All right, Mike, uh, evidently uh Derek is very down with that pick. Ooh. I am I I have not heard this, but that's why I'm excited to listen to it now. So thanks everybody for listening as always. Again, don't forget to hit us up for music of the year and review us cuz we're awesome. Derek, Michael, thank you for coming on the show as always. And yep. uh, taking us out is Noel's theme, The Last Journey, from Final Fantasy XIII 2. Thank you.
Ah, she.